except for Christ, there go I. I mean, just to know we could be that. So we have to have that feel as we meet the bio parents, as we meet the grandma, as we meet the crazy situation they were in, that could be us and they need help. So if you feel called to it, then I think you need to just put yourself out there. And I think there's so many kids out there, you know, if we're Christian, I think, you know, if you have the ability in room, you could at least try it. <laughs> Welcome everyone to Bringing Kids Home, a TPHC foster care and adoption production. I'm Kristen, TPHC's Executive Outreach Manager. We are excited you are joining us today for a special episode about the ministry of serving children through TBHC. We want you to hear how you can make a difference in a child's life. Today's podcast is sponsored by Jody Matting of Edward Jones. Jody Matting believes that making a positive impact to improve the lives of his clients will better our communities and society. You can find Jody Matting on edwardjones.com. We are grateful to Jody Madding and Edward Jones for supporting today's stories. Now stick around and hear about ordinary people doing extraordinary things to help bring kids home. Hi everyone, I'm Jason, TBHC President, and I'm here with Jamie, VP of Programs. We are together talking about our podcast today. Jamie, thanks for joining me this year on doing some interviews and sharing in the process of the podcast. It's been a great experience. Thanks for letting me be a part of it. Well, how about we uh, just talk about this podcast real quick. Bonnie is the subject of our conversation, and she is the interviewed person today. It's been really neat to hear her story. Let's, let's talk about it real quick, some things that you've thought about her. Bonnie is an interesting person. Um, she has so much joy. She can always bring you a, a smile or a laughter with any interaction you have with her. Um, she's definitely a hardworking because she runs a farm and does foster care and is a mom. Um, and she has a servant's heart. Yeah. Everything I've ever experienced with Miss Bonnie has always been impressed on me. Her character, first of all. But uh, just the fact that she loves Jesus in everything she does. And that comes through in the story we're going to hear. Great episode we're about to get into. So excited for y'all to listen today. Hi, everyone. I'm Jamie Hogan, Vice President of TBHC Foster Care and Adoption. I'm so glad you're with us today. My guest today is Bonnie Jorzik. She and her husband, Jeff, have been married for 33 years. They have four children and one additional child coming through adoption. They're also grandparents with one grandbaby and one on the way soon. I'm excited for Bonnie to share her experience with fostering with you today. I have known Bonnie and Jeff for 20 years. When I was a foster care case manager, they were one of my families. Their story is one of being missionaries in your community. Bonnie Jorzig joins us today furthering TBHC's mission and hoping to encourage foster parents in the trenches of caring for kids and involving those thinking of accepting the call of foster care. Bonnie, thank you for joining me today. Certainly, thank you for having me. For those of you who don't know Bonnie, she raises goats and lives on a farm. So many of our staff love to visit the farm and feed the animals. So Bonnie, share with the listeners why else staff love to visit the farm. Well, we have quite an abundance of goats. And so at birthing time, whichever workers come out, we uh, have a habit of naming goats after workers. 
and it seems to be an exciting thing for the workers. It is. They like to get updates about their goats, um, and Bonnie sends pictures of their goats to the workers, and it, it is a fun thing for them. Um, Bonnie's house is also uh, a favorite mm -hmm. for workers because they uh, enjoy going out and seeing the kids uh, there, but just seeing the kids and how they're playing outside, being kids, learning responsibilities on how to care for the animals. What have you noticed about the kids that you've cared for as they've learned to live on the farm with you? I think you nailed it. I think responsibility is a big thing and they don't realize it because it's fun and they're interacting with the animals. Uh, another thing is we have a lot of space. We have acreage and so if they need to run to get steam off or just be outside yelling, it doesn't affect neighbors. Yeah, that's good. Um, it seems to be very therapeutic for them. Yes. How long have you been a foster parent? 23 years, almost 24. <laughs> and then how many kids do you think you've fostered over that time? I'm sure it's upwards of 50. And I don't know exactly. We haven't ever counted. And I know you have a wall in your house that kind of has a few I foster do. kids on there. We call it our wall of heroes. And it actually has pictures of all the kids we've fostered over the years. Yeah. Um, what drew you to fostering? It's funny. There was a section when we lived in Arizona, there was a section in the paper, a whole section devoted to fostering. And it broke my heart just reading about the kids moving home to home, that the system was overloaded. And it was about two years before we moved to Texas. And then we moved to Texas and there was an ad in the Little Waxahachie Daily Light way back in 1998. And um, so we read the ad and I told my husband about it. And he said, you go to the first meeting. If it's worth it, I'll go from then on because we didn't know anything about it. And so I went to the meeting and therefore ever since we just, um, it was definitely a calling. It definitely is what we wanted to do. And we just, I quit my job for it so I could be home with kids. Yeah, because y'all did not have any kids no, of your own. Yeah, all that of time. my kids are through adoption. Mm -hmm. Well, I know y'all are amazing uh, foster parents, and um, I want to talk specifically about something special you and Jeff did last year uh, around Christmas. So let's let's talk and about that. Can you describe to me that thought process of that event where you and Jeff created a Christmas party? Yes. Okay. So probably three or four years ago, around Thanksgiving, you know, everybody starts getting excited for holidays and everybody's thinking about thankfulness and Christmas. And three or four years ago, I was telling Jeff how exciting it would be to get all of our kids. I look at the wall and remember faces and just to see them again or be in touch with them again. Very few of them I'm in touch with regularly. And almost every year I would just kind of bring it up and it would be a passing thought. And this past year, he really gave me a push and he's like, just do it. I want you to start calling, get names, start trying to find them on Facebook, do what you can and get whoever you can and let's do it. Let's get everybody together that we can find. And so with help from you, I know you had to go down the basement and get in the archives <laughs> and try to find what we could. I found, I think we found about 13 people. We actually found almost 20 and some couldn't or really weren't comfortable coming just yet. Um, but we found about 13 and most of them brought family with them. My oldest are in their late thirties. Um, because when we started, we started with teenagers or preteens. And it was really interesting because they brought their kids and their spouses. Some of them brought their adoptive families and it was just really neat. I mean, it was just very emotional for everybody, for them as well as us. And it was just very encouraging to everyone that came, I believe. And I have since kept contact with the people that came. And a few more I've got contact with since the party 
And we're going to try to make it an annual thing. We're going to try again to do that this year. Well, you had an agenda too set out for that day. Like you had um, a devotional set we up. Spiritually. So we, a lot of the kids, okay, let me back up. So the pictures on the wall that Jamie referenced earlier, we have a picture of each kid that's been through our home and I put their name on there and then I would draw them a Christian fish on there if they made a profession of faith while they lived at our home. However, as we all know, sometimes people do that just try to be accepted and you don't know later in life and they know, we don't know if it was genuine or they were just trying to get, make us pleased. <clears throat> and so I bought um, Bibles for each one of them and we set our pastor up, my husband, Jeff, talked to the preacher to come out and do a devotion and just to give the plan of salvation to make sure that they all knew that they knew that they knew that heaven was going to be their home in the afterlife. So um, it was really neat. And, and every one of them told me that they were saved, told me that they were assured. And if not, they went home with that and with a Bible. So um, and a letter, we wrote them each a personal letter in the Bible. That was wonderful. And you had pictures, like tons mm -hmm. of pictures. Oh, yes laid yes. out for them all to see about their times when they were there. And I thought what was really special is when you had some of those adoptive families that, that brought the kids there, they had, they were looking at pictures they had never seen before of their kids. Mm -hmm. And you let them take some of those yes. pictures. I thought that was very so we special. We had a pretty big table set out. And, and as well as like when the kids make coloring pages or crafts or something at school, I'll save some of them from, from every kid along the way. And I got some of those things out and put them away, almost all the things and put them on the table with the pictures and told them they're welcome to take what they want. And yes, that, that did happen. That made it very special. Um, so you definitely reconnected with some kids that you hadn't seen in a while. But tell me about how that, how that felt for you and Jeff. Oh, very good. Very good. And actually we got thank yous from a lot of them, which I didn't want that. I mean, I just, it, it gratified me. The blessing is on me which goes along with foster care. It's kind of like a, an, ex, an extension of foster care in that people will sometimes compliment me or when they find out I'm a foster parent, oh, you bless children. And it's not really about that. I'm blessed to be able to do this. I mean, we're an extension of really we're religious, you know, caring for the, for the fatherless, you know, but um, we are blessed just by being able to be part of these kids' lives and help them through a time and it was really neat to see where these kids have gone. And it blessed us as they left little by little that day. And even on, I'm in touch with most of them that came just to be part of their life now and hear how they're doing and encourage them. Yeah, it truly felt like a family reunion. I know I was yes. a case manager for some of those kids. So I'm listening to them talk about the different times in your home and um, different times that they may have acted up yes. and how, how <laughs> yes. that was rectified. And it was just like being in... Uh, a family at a family reunion and talking about the good times and the bad times and um, how y'all made it through some of those times. And so it, it was joyful even for me to yeah. experience that. So um, is there anything that you want to add about that party and the reconnecting with the kids? So, you know, I was just thinking it was going through my mind that these kids, when they go home or age out or get adopted, they don't see each other anymore either. And we usually have six at a time, you know, depending on how many kids I had at that time I had adopted. And it was really nice to see, you could see the reconnection between the kids that hadn't seen each other in years. And I say that they're young adults now, a lot of them, especially um, the first two kids I had when we became foster parents um, had not spoken in years. They, they had a falling out 
and they both are adults. And so they went on their ways and they hadn't spoken in years and they are actual siblings, uh, a brother and sister. And that party brought them together. And I know they're closer now and they are in touch at least once a week. They tell me, I mean, that, that party kind of sealed it and brought them back into um, just forgiving and accepting each other. So that that was another monument of the party. I remember that specifically also hearing from your pastor. Mm -hmm. He really talked about forgiveness and he drove that home. Yes. That was so important for them to hear um, about forgiveness, that we all need it and Mm -hmm. um, how to get it. Yeah, not to have the bitterness, just to, 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 yeah. Yeah, Yeah. it was a really good devotion that he provided to the kids. Um, And I say kids because they're always kids in my mind, but they are definitely not. (laughs) They're young adults. And some were. We had some kids there. Yeah, there was a few. Um, So tell me your thoughts on um, keeping in touch, keeping that connection, because you're you're fostering them for, you know, uh, a year or longer. And Mm -hmm. then they may be reunified and go Mm -hmm. home with a family member or they may be adopted to another family. Um, tell me your thoughts on keeping contact because I've I've heard that you know this can be a controversial issue with certain people. Agreed, so. agreed. I do as much as seems like they always say best interest of the child, which I don't even like that phrase. But initially, for instance, kids that get adopted, I stay in touch for a little while, and I kind of feel like I should fade out because the new mom and dad and family need to be the new mom and dad and family. And then after a while, I might text and just say, how are they doing? And just kind of be as involved as the new family wants me to be. And then at some point, after a couple of years, I think everybody's comfortable and it's fun again. Like I can be back involved and I'm not a threat to anybody or the kids don't, you know, it's just everything is, is easy and nice. When kids go back to their birth home or typically that or kinship, um, usually I'm cut out immediately. And I understand that logically they look at me as the bad guy because we had them away from their family. And I've been able to find some of those kids when they're older, or there's actually a couple failed adoptions that have found me or I've found them. And um, it's just been a really good reunification. It's, it's so as much as you possibly can, I think you reach out. And if it's not time, as far as an adopted family to just let yourself be available. Hi, I'm Laurie Henthorne, Donor Engagement Manager at TBHC Foster Care and Adoption. Did you know that there are over 6,000 children waiting for adoption in Texas today? And did you know that there are only about 1,000 willing foster adoptive homes licensed and available to them? These children are coming from hard places and are needing a place to heal. We at TBHC strive to provide homes where they'll feel safe and loved and where they can begin their healing process. What if you could play a part in changing these statistics? TBHC depends on people like you to help change the course of these children's lives. You could open your heart and home to them, or you could come alongside them and help provide for the parents' training or for specialized therapy for a child through your financial support. We invite you to visit our website, tbhc.org, to find out more about us, hear inspiring stories and ways to pray for TBHC families, and to find out how you can be a part of bringing kids home. And um, it's just been a really good reunification. It's, it's so as much as you possibly can, I think you reach out. And if it's not time, as far as an adoptive family, to just let yourself be available. If they try to reach out that you're there. Well, I would say even in those biological family situations where they're going back home, you've mm-hmm. had biological families seek you out yes. for support and, yes. and, hey, by the way, what do I do in this situation? Mm-hmm. And you've been a, an added, you know, resource to them to, to get through. If you remember in one case, 
um, one of my adopted children's siblings came back into care and the bio mother called, actually he had never been in care, he was born, called me and said, you know, you need to get my child, you need to get my child, they're in CPS custody. So that they just know where to find you, I think is a really big, big thing. I used to, when I very first started fostering, be hesitant of bio families and oh my goodness, but I think when you see Christ and you see, except for Christ, there go I, I could be that person. And then you're more willing to just let your guard down. And really at worst case, if something happened and they tried to steal their child, you would just call the police. It's not like it's gonna, you know, I just, I think we have to kind of have some empathy and put ourselves in their place. Um, saying, you know, if I had a drug habit, I could be doing this. If I had these other, you know, someone abusing me, I could be this. So we just need to really try to be Christ through it. And you and Jeff do an excellent job of, of looking at people through the lens of Christ and um, opening your home and, and not being fearful of how other people live mm-hmm. opposite of you. So oh, that's another one. Can I interject this story? Yes. <laughs> we had um, a family that does not live far from us um, come over to the house and bring, bring their girls back for a visit. And I did not realize how close they lived. And they just came pulling up the driveway one day because the girls found their way back. And they, they brought them to the house just to visit and say hi. And then they had hard times maybe two years later and their parents came back to my house and asked me if I could contact the investigator removal worker and get their girls back again. So just being an open door where they didn't feel threatened and they thought, you know, hey, we were embarrassed of what we did, but we know where to go for help made me feel really good, like that I had done the right thing, that they didn't feel judged, judged considering where they where they had got themselves. Yeah. And, and that can make all the difference for people to turn around. If they don't, if they're feeling judged, then they might not uh, go down the road that they need to, to get healing. Mm-hmm. Um, it right. can be a deterrent right. to that. So, um, all right. So what would you say after this 20 something years of um, fostering, what is the most important thing that you've learned about being a foster parent that you would say is the best advice I would actually just say the phrase I just say that I keep in the front is, um, except for Christ, there go I. I mean, just to know we could be that. So we have to have that feel as we meet the bio parents, as we meet the grandma, as we meet the crazy situation they were in, that could be us. And they need help. So if you feel called to it, then I think you need to just put yourself out there and be that person and, and not as best as you can. We're still human not judge because the kids don't need to see that either. They come to your house. They don't need to see your face grimaced when you look at their mom or their dad or that they came to the visit with, you know, hardly dressed and probably on drugs. You know, they don't need to see that grimace. Um, They're going to be cared for at the visit by the worker. And so, you know, they just need us to support them. And I think there's so many kids out there that, you know, if you feel like maybe you're called, you could just try it, you know, Mm -hmm. just try it. And if it doesn't work when that kid goes home or, or, or goes, you know, reunify, whatever, um, then you could say, you know, that wasn't for me. But there, there's so many kids. And, and if we, you know, if we're Christian, I think, you know, if you have the ability in room, you could at least try it. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, that's the, you have, you and Jeff have had some really hard kids in your home, Ooh. but when they come to you and they come to your home, mm-hmm. you are you're committed Mm -hmm. and you Mm -hmm. stick it out with them and you do what you, you can, that is for the best interest of that kid rather than to be um, bounced around um, in foster care. And so 
Um, like I said, y'all do amazing work with the kids and um, we are thankful that you guys are foster parents for TBHC. So thank you for sharing your bringing kids home story today. If you'd like to answer the call to care for kids like Jeff and Bonnie, please reach out to tbhc.org. That is tbhc.org. What a great episode that was. I mean, I feel like there is so much there in such a short amount of time. Jamie, would you tell me a little bit about the first time you met Bonnie Jorzik? Uh, I met Bonnie and her husband, Jeff, when they were transferring to TBHC, and I was conducting their home study interviews. It was one of the very first home studies I'd ever done. I was also their foster care case manager, and I just remember watching them interact with each other and the kids in their home and realizing how compatible they were, but also unified in their parenting approaches as a family. Um, they're just great advocates for each kid in their home, and they meet children where they are, and they start with the simplest of needs, which is just connection. Well, I mean, again, just throughout the entire conversation, talking about the kids always coming back to striving to do what was best for them is what spoke to me. So mm -hmm. that's really neat. She really did well about talking about the mission and that this isn't a church. Any, any kind of elaboration you want to do on that? Well, I think it's evident that Jeff and Bonnie's view of foster care is is the bigger picture is serving foster children by exposing them to Christ. That's their mission. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Which that's that's TBHC's a part of our mission is everything that we do through stability, through uh, self worth, and true healing. It all comes through Christ. So it's it's incredible that these foster parents and and many of our foster parents, by the way have already latched onto that throughout their entire careers of caring for kids. Foster parents, getting the freedom to share the gospel. I, I mean, a lot of people think that we are just government-focused. We have to cross all of our T's and dot our I's, which we absolutely do, by the way. Mm -hmm. But that's not the only reason to go into an organization like ours. It's Parents have a lot of freedom. Let's talk about that a little real quick. They have a lot of freedom to share the gospel. They do. They have the freedom to take them to the church that they tend to that they attend and get to know their church family, become a part of that church family. Um, if they choose to. If they choose to. Absolutely. Because it's it's not a basically you're free to live your life as a foster parent and include foster children in that life. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, when you look at the impact on kids because of that. That's really the reason that we recruit missional foster parents is to come alongside the mission we're doing to influence kids' lives, mm -hmm. for sure. Our impressions of her story, um, for me, I know are profound. She's been doing this a long time, longer than I did as a foster parent, blown away by her dedication to the way that she cares for kids. Uh, I, I, anyway, th those are my impressions. I think... When anybody talks to Jeff or Bonnie, you always leave the conversation feeling encouraged. Um, they understand the needs that children have from hard places and how changing the trajectory of their lives is so pivotal. And foster care is one of those pivotal points. Yeah. Foster care, it teaches kids skills that they need to change, life skills, helping them to develop socially, emotionally, physically, but as we already talked about, spiritually the most. And so... Foster care can be a great impact to kids and 
I encourage anybody to get on that and get on board and do that. Absolutely. We definitely need the help. Teens, especially right now, need our help in Texas, probably across the country, but my data is exclusive to Texas. So (laughs) let's talk about that real quick. We need foster parents. What is it about the Jorzigs that stand out to you uh, as an example of what we need from foster parents? I think specifically about them is we value their experience and you only get experience if you're ready to take that leap and and start the process. But we value their experience in caring for the kids from all backgrounds and all cultures. Mm -hmm. Um, They are not limited by, they don't limit themselves to that. So, and then they've had some challenging kids at times, but they don't give up. Mm -hmm. And, and that's because they have the focus of the mission in mind. So they know they're not doing this alone. She has a supportive community, a supportive church family, and then, of course, the whole TBHC team um, to help her to do this. Absolutely. They basically were willing to stick it out no matter what, over and over again. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, when I I think about who we're trying to recruit, and I think about the Jorzigs as an example of that, there's a willingness from them to do whatever it takes for kids, imparting their values in a very specific way, and us equipping them to continue on no matter what. I think some of the resources that uh, she probably didn't get into is uh, TBHC staff and just really the, she ends up being the resource more often than not, for sure. From her all experience. Absolutely. So I don't want to discount that, but, but also if she needs something, she can pick up the phone and call case managers and get that. Absolutely. So Christmas and that that testimony of bringing kids back into her home. Um, I remember the first time I heard that story from her, we were sitting around talking and she shared she was doing that. And I knew she had to tell that story uh, for us. But the impact on kids' lives after foster care. What's some elaboration on life after foster care that you feel our foster parents can... It still comes back to connection. They're so ready to get out of the foster care system and they're not really prepared. Like any 18-year-old is not prepared for life, but they are in a hurry to get out of the, under the thumb of the state's care. And so I feel like just being a person that can come alongside any anybody that has been in foster care and help the trajectory of their life even further... Um, would be beneficial to that kid being a mentor being a foster a foster parent that continues till they're 22 because the state allows you to do that um, would just be phenomenal for a kid absolutely connection 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 absolutely yeah really appreciate the conversation and uh, is there anything that you feel has been left unsaid about the Jorzik's <laughs> I could continue to talk on and on about the Georgics because we have such a long relationship with them, but um, I, I really truly wish that we had more Georgics in this world so that kids didn't have to be without a home. Definitely. Well, thanks everyone for joining us. Uh, Jamie, again, thank you for talking with me about this particular episode. Thank you. I loved it. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to get in touch with today's guest or any of our previous guests, you can contact us through our email, podcast at tbhc.org, 
That's podcast at tbhc.org. Leave us a comment, recommend a guest to our show, and give us a five-star review wherever you listen. And don't forget to subscribe. For more information, check out our website, tbhc.org, and discover how you can participate in bringing kids home.